Hello, welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I was sure there was going to be blood. And I'm Gary. And today we're going to review and discuss There Will Be Blood, which came out in 2007. Loosely based on the novel by Upton Sinclair, written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis? Well, the story follows Daniel Day-Lewis's character, Daniel Plainview. He is an oil prospector in the early 1900s of America, and after coming across a large reservoir, sets himself up in a small town, and we watch how his life unfolds. So this film was uh, one of those films that almost didn't get made. Oh. Like when the script was written, it, it, they had Daniel Day-Lewis in, in mind for the part. Mm. They didn't ever actually expect him to accept it. Uh, the producer for the film also said that should Daniel Day-Lewis not accept the role, mm. then this film was probably never going to get made. Um, but this is Heavy. one of those things that Daniel Day-Lewis had years once he accepted the part on the strength of the script yeah he had years of prep time to really learn and develop his craft for this character now like talking about daniel day lewis it's you know the conversation always goes to his uh, method acting mm -hmm. and you know and it's always one of those things that even daniel day lewis has said he's, he doesn't like talking about it because he's never able to successfully articulate his method yeah. for getting into these roles yeah. and for this the, for this role in particular he said it took him the years because he needed to learn the history the dialect the way that this character behaves the you know the organization that he's in the way that he perceives things and mm. just to build up that level of hatred and greed within the character and the reason why I would talk about this is because Daniel Day-Lewis is, in my opinion, one of the greatest actors of our time. And that's yes. because every role that he puts himself into, he is that character, you know? You can't see Daniel Day-Lewis anymore when he's in his element, when he's in his role. And that just makes it really, really special. And so I'm just going to say right off the bat now, this film is incredibly special and it would in my opinion, be a disservice to the film if you were to watch this review before seeing this masterpiece. Man, that's 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 heavy to throw onto the movie early. I, mean, I know, I know, but I, I felt like I had to. Well, like, this film is like movie cinema magic. It's, it's Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, I, I said it before, you know, in The Name of the Father and, and My Left Foot and every other role that he plays in. Like, I look at a movie and it says Daniel Day-Lewis. I'm like, yeah, that's good. It's good. There's, there's, there's no one undenying how good this movie is going to be because this man has... He says he can't articulate. Okay, I'll articulate for him. Basically, he just becomes this person. You know, he creates this person. And if the person... Well, I mean, Daniel Plainview doesn't exist, but his earlier roles, they were people. And so he had to become that person. It... it he stops becoming Daniel Day-Lewis, he becomes Daniel Plainview, and when you put the camera, I mean, Jim Carrey has done it, you know, I'm sure Arnold Schwarzenegger, in a way, kind of does it. This this director, Paul Thomas Anderson, not not Resident Evil Anderson, no, this no, is no. the good Anderson. Not Wes Anderson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of Andersons lately. Pamela no. Anderson. <laughs> But, but this guy, I mean, he got a good performance out of Adam Sandler in Punch Drunk Love. Exactly. And you I know? mean, that that was the film that brought me to this director. Mm. And uh, and yeah, it is, you know, Punch Drunk Love is, in my opinion, Adam Sandler's defining moment in his acting career. 
that you just go, holy shit! Like that was the that was what annoys me yeah. is that when you see how successful this director is with his cast, that you would expect them to be as good outside of his films, but they're not always. And that for me is testament to this director yeah, and the yeah. way that he works with his cast, with his crew, and especially with this film as well, where. You know they, you know they went for film stock. You yes. know they 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 stayed away from digital. They tried to keep like you know to keep it the film looking like it's in the time period that it's in. Uh, yeah, as authentic as they could make it. You yeah, know? but it was the fact that like in the, the making this film, Paul Thomas Anderson he had the flexibility and freedom when 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 deciding which scenes to shoot in which locations because they had the locations they could literally film the scene in the barn. Yeah. And they go, let's film the same scene by by the oil well. Yeah. Now let's film the same scene in, in the dining room or in the kitchen. You know, And so they had the flexibility to keep filming the scenes and changing the location to figure out what works for yeah. the actors and for the film. And it's just like a director that that has the ability to let the actors play as yeah. well, as well as having an idea of what he wants. Yeah, and you've if, got Daniel Day-Lewis, who is now his character leading this. I What I loved about this film, before we really get into it, I was watching it and I was just like, you know what? You could you could guess that this movie could have been made in the 70s, been made in the 80s. You know, it's so authentic looking and it's so well shot and just pictured that you you are completely lost in the film. You know, you're, you have to be. If you, if you look at it and go, no, nah, I can't watch that, then you don't really understand cinema in that way because that's what this director has done. He's created this masterpiece. Like, we start... Um, with with Daniel Day Lewis just mining, you know he's just picking away at this wall underneath the ground, you know trying to find silver. Yeah, and it's fifteen minutes of no dialogue. It's just like him working, him him hurting himself. Absolutely, it, you it, know it, it's um it's a brilliant brilliant insight into this character that we're going to spend yes. the next two and a half hours with. Mm. We see how ambitious he is. We see how driven he is, you know, that he has dug this self-made hole in the ground to mine for silver. And of course, he falls and breaks his leg yeah. or does other injuries that we're not aware of. But, you know, like like most people would probably have just died down there. Not Daniel Plainview. Not now that he's got the extra motivation for, for money, for, yeah. for yeah. wealth. Yeah. That he will climb his way up that broken ladder yes. and drag his ass miles across the mountains, across harsh, rocky terrain. Now, when you saw when I saw Daniel Day Lewis dragging himself across rocks, I was like, "Those aren't fake rocks. No. Like, how do you make uh, like a hundred thousand fucking prosthetic rocks on the floor and say you know move yourself? No, that that's just such a real location. He drags himself back. He he gets the the line for his silver." And he starts working on this well with with a team of men, and this is where you're aware, like, of, of really what's going on because there's a baby there. There's a there is a father and a and a baby, and Daniel's working with these men, and there's an accident, and the father is killed. And so you're like. Okay, that's you know that it it was so authentic and real that you, it wasn't like a typical movie kill. Well, yeah, it, looked, it was an accident. Yeah, and he died. But again, it's it's something that I really like with this film, and it's something you'll become immediately aware of is that it's not 
rapidly edited. There's not rapid cuts. This film has lots of long, long shots that are about, you know, on average about 15 seconds a shot without the rapid edits. But it's the fact that when the action scenes do happen, there are some rapid edits, which really helps punctuate those mm. moments yeah. uh, even more. And, and they are so quick and you just see a blood spray very quick. Yeah. You know, that's all you need. It's all you need. But yeah, th this is the event that, that triggers uh, Daniel Plainview to now adopt this child. Mm. Are you part, you know, watching the film, like you're still learning who this character is. You know, like maybe it's guilt because he's hired these men and they've died working for him. So maybe that's why he's taking this child. But we soon realize that he saw a business opportunity yes. here to exploit this child and use him to manipulate others into selling their land or giving him access to their, he's their a ground. He's a businessman. He's a businessman in, in 1910, 1911 America, you know, working his way with the oil fields. And he, he's got Dylan Frazier playing H.W. Plainview. And this boy actor was just, oh man, you know. He was really good, wasn't he? he now, he almost wasn't allowed to be in the film because they asked the mother if, yeah, if they yeah. could hire the boy. Mm. And the mother was like, well, I don't know. Who's he going to be with? He's going to be with Daniel Day-Lewis. He'll be fine. She's like, well, I don't know who Daniel Day-Lewis is. So they're like, oh, here, here. Watch, watch Gangs of New York. You can see you see what he's like. <laughs> oh, and she no. was like, <gasps> and they're like, no, 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 wait. Let's give him, <laughs> give him this film instead. So, okay, he can be in the film now. <laughs> yeah. I did see a lot of uh, um, Gangs of New York character in Daniel Plainview. The wildness. It, mm. it, it's the fact that he's kind of like very much keeps uh, a facade. Like, we don't see his rage or his hatred or his anger. Oh, it's it, on it, the surface. It's on the surface. And it's as the film goes that it comes out more and more and more where he almost feels like he is a god and he, he doesn't need to restrain himself anymore. Like, that is his trajectory yeah. in this film. And it is fascinating to watch because you do root for him to an extent, like, especially... That first 20 minutes, like, because yeah. whenever you start to think that Daniel Plainview is a ruthless piece of shit, you know, <laughs> you just remember, like, the first 20 minutes, you're like, my God, man, like, that man is driven, so he's earned he's... his due. Yeah. But the way he starts to treat and manipulate people, it, uh, and, and that will happen more and more until you realize well, you are watching a villain. I mean, he's, he's told the information, isn't he? He's visited by Paul Sunday. Who, who is who's part of the Sunday family and their land has got oil and he sells the information to Daniel Plainview. And this back and forth was phenomenal because Paul Dano, who plays Paul Sunday, also plays Eli Sunday. And so this initial meeting is so well done that they're, you know, they're playing back and forth. One's got information, one wants the information, who wants the money, back and forth, until he buys the information. And then I, I it's, it's one of my favourite scenes. I love this next sequence where they're driving into town. You know, and it's just one long, beautiful, flowing, following shot of this little car teetering, well, teetering along, one of the first few ever made, this man in the sun. They come into the, the, the town and head up past the farm, and they're under the guise of shooting quail and so they speak to uh papa sunday when he comes out because his family are there his daughters you know you're in the middle of fucking america there's no one for miles and then two men or a man and a boy come walking up you obviously you're going to be asking questions but the father immediately does kind of feel a little bit weak against daniel's character who is now i know i know 
before they've even started talking. He's going to exploit the whole family for this oil because he's a ruthless businessman. But when he first meets Eli and there's that shock realization, like, it's like, wait a minute, you're Paul. You're the one who sent me here. And, well, and no, that, no, he, he doesn't reveal that first. Yeah, he doesn't first. even say it, but you, like, as an audience... But then Eli, yeah, comes yeah. off back at him, like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm the more religious one. And I was Paul Dano, I was like, yes. Now, going going into this, like, um, I, I, I was under the impression that there was no twin because the rest of the family don't acknowledge that there is a Paul, you know, and, and because Daniel... Plainview never asks the question. Yeah. You know, but Paul goes, yeah, I'm Eli. And I'm just like, part, like, and it's never explained in the film, but the whole time I'm like, you're not Eli, you're Paul still. And you're now pretending to be Eli. You are, you are a manipulator and you've manipulated Daniel to be here to sell out the oil. You know exactly what's coming because you are now asking him for the money from the oil that, of selling of the land to make yes. your church. Yeah. I'm like, Eli and Paul is the same character. I honestly think now no, it's only really... because of the casting where they use the same character, okay. the same actor. Right. Now I found out in the original script and the originally they were going to be two different actors, but the director was so happy with Paul Dano's performance as Paul okay. that he went, you're now also going to be Eli as well. You're now cast as Eli. But there's that moment at the end when he calls him out, doesn't he? Yeah. Daniel calls out um, Eli and says to him like, you know, I sold the. Uh, I bought the information from Paul. Yeah, that's why I know that the other farms are sold out. So that, to me, there are two separate characters. But Eli is so driven for this church, and like you said, Daniel Plainview is just so sectioned on taking this oil. They build up the well, and he calls in his crew. The the the, the table sequence was a really good moment because that's when I realised that obviously Eli. Yeah, like you said, Eli was a manipulator. His father was easily just going to sell the land for quail to Daniel for nothing. And it's Eli who says to him, like, well, what about the oil? You know, you must have heard about the oil. What would you like, Eli? $10,000. And he and Daniel start to play off against each other. This is where the idea comes in for the $5,000. And then on top of that, it also comes in with the blessing where Daniel has organized to have the whole town or, or Eli's every, the whole town's basically going to be there to watch this oil uh, oil rig unveiling. Well, they've also been promised part of the, the shares because yes. it's one of the things that is Daniel Plainview's speech to the crowd. Mm. And it's one of the things that uh, when he first arrives at the farm and, and, and the old man says, I can offer you potatoes, but I can't offer you any bread. Nothing grows around here. Yeah. And I love the fact that th this speech was improvised as well. Oh. And that he incorporated the bread and said that when this well is built, there will be bread for everyone. There will be, yes. you know, we're going to have irrigation. We're going to grow crops. There's going to be all, all of these things thanks to this oil yeah and uh, and of course everyone's sold on the idea everybody yeah and we just know that eli is also now gaining his power by siphoning the money from what's going on to help build his church and this is now where we see the lines in the sand get drawn between two characters that are both vying for power yeah. Yet they're both in each other's way, but they both need each other, and they're both very similar. They are like two sides of the same coin, but they're both going about things in a different way. And and I, what I want to say is that like Dan, 
uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's performance as Daniel Plainview is so powerful and so strong that, like, actors on the set have said they have felt intimidated by Daniel Day-Lewis because yeah. he is so in, in character. And then when you go into the contrast, who is Paul Dano playing Eli, Yeah, his nemesis for this film, obviously finding out that this actor had only just gained the part two days before actually going into scenes with Daniel Day-Lewis, who had years of prep time to build this character <gasps> against someone who had days to prepare. Now, but I will say this for Paul Dano, clearly he is the weaker actor compared to Daniel Day-Lewis, but, you know... It, 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 I but, tell, there were certain scenes just yes, were so highlighted. There were certain the scenes where Paul Dano was so good that yeah. he made me physically recoil at his presence on screen. He was so... <laughs> Physically disgusting Harsh, man. as a person, Harsh. as a character. Matt, so I was like, yeah. so he does work as a good foil and opposite for, for Daniel Fairview, which makes the film more interesting as they try to one-up each other. And and it's because Daniel Fairview, like, he, he goes to the the um, you know, the guy who owns all the land. Yeah, yeah. And he's just like, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Can everything be brought? He buys up all the land yeah, everywhere. Yeah, because yeah, well, none of it will grow. Everybody just wants to get out there. And he knows, because there's all underneath the ground, that he can siphon it all off. But he makes a fatal mistake there. I mean, you know, Daniel playing with all of his, his, his genius and his idea, he, his ego gets in the way. And so he, he turns down the idea of going to see the bandy farm. And it's it is just a it is just a playoff at that moment to say oh I'm not going to go to that farm at the moment he just wants more money um, I'll get to them later but it is pinnacle for events that will later follow in the movie um, where you know Daniel uh, Daniel Plainview has realised oh fuck this I I really messed up but it's also this moment with Paul Dano where he he organises the townsfolk to come and uh, see the unveiling of the drill and. Eli is asked to bless it. Now, in my experience, if anybody asks to bless anything, you should really bless it because it just it's just for safety's sake. And, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis has this whole massive speech with their daughter, Mary, you know, and, and, and plays off about the unveiling. And he just, he takes the very words that Eli was going to use and just kind of uses them in a really quick speech and then just carries on. So Eli, Paul Dano, yeah, just standing there not saying anything, but being so annoyed and pissed off that, you know, how dare this man not allow him to bless, you know, these, this, this is like 1911 fucking America. The most you did on a fucking daily basis was wake up, eat and go to church. That was it. Oh, and now we've got an oil field. You know, at least we've got something to look at for a little while. <laughs> but because it's not been blessed... Now we have the event which, you know, we well, we first have the accident, don't we? Yeah. Where the, the spike falls down and falls down on top of this guy. That was another... Surprisingly, they call it there will be blood. Not that much blood. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, blood is, like, you know, it, it's a metaphor for the oil, isn't it, I, really? I know, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what I mean. It's just, yeah, I saw this spike. and it, But it was just enough to make me go, oh, fuck, yeah, you know, barking. There's no safety no. regulations. There's no hard hats. There's nothing. These guys died, pulled the bodies out, sent them back home with a bit of money, carry on. You know, 
it's it's business, I'm afraid. I'd... Yeah, well, speaking of business, mm. uh, he does strike it rich. You know, they do hit that pocket of oil and there's that massive, massive explosion that occurs, which little HW mm. um, is, is caught up in the blast and he's sent flying. Yes. You know, and, and Daniel uh, Plainview is so excited about you know, hitting that pocket of oil, well, it's a pocket the fountain of, of it. No, no, the, the accident with HW is a pocket of gas. With well, gas, which then, of course, the oil then erupts afterwards. Uh, but then it... Then which it then sets on fire. as well. But because Daniel's then so so obsessed with the fact that they've got the oil and the fire to yeah. deal with, and he's so happy, he's kind of like, okay, yeah, my, my son is in trouble, but... That was a mistake. But Well, it was a mistake, but he's not his father. No. That's how he sees it. And so to the son... This oil yes. field is more important. Now, you know, we do. I mean, I got a like some. I felt like he did still have some bonds with yes. his son because it was still the only thing he had in life. Yes, you know, like that was cl at least close to him that could eventually be raised to be his partner. You know, in all things with the business, uh, and I thought that was where it was going to go until obviously he finds out that his son is now like gone deaf because of the explosion how close he was to it he puts him on a train and sends him to boarding school in fairness in, in fairness you know it's better for the boy to be teaching uh, or learning in a, in a teacher's in class in fairness it's better the boy be away from Daniel Plainview yeah but at the same time yeah, it is yeah. horrific it's 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 terrible, but this is this was how good this movie was that it was so authentic. You know, his his son has been injured. He's getting the doctors to check him out. You know, he's got to be sent away. He's got to learn sign language. That's one of the things that was a pinnacle scene before sending him away was him actually coming up with the idea of saying like he needs to he he needs to be taught. He needs to learn. You know, he, he's going to need this special teaching, and he's going to have to send him away. But Daniel doesn't want to leave because he's got the oil fields to run. That's what's going to pay for the boarding well, school. He... That's what's going to keep the boy in prison. I, I, I completely agree as much as I want to hate everything Daniel Plainview does throughout this whole entire movie. There's a couple of scenes where I'm just like, no, you're unforgivable now. This train sequence is one of them. But then... It was the hug when he came back. Well, no, it's it's the that it's was... the fact that he shows um, a crack of guilt when he's walking away, mm. when he sees his son fighting with his friend on the train. Yes, I'm just like, okay, so he does actually. He's, he's he is showing guilt here. Yeah, he is yeah, showing yeah. that he is upset with the fact that he has done this, but he's still going to do this so that he can just concentrate on making his empire. His empire. He's got. He's got to make his empire. Nothing. He, he, and yeah, so yeah. Yes. Like it's and, and so like when the when the when. When when H H W comes back, and like we see them hug, but it's like from such a far away shot, it's almost like it's just there to like show. I don't know, like keeping he's, up appearances of some kind, yeah, like yeah. as a public, because yeah. he's all about the public image and how yeah. people see him on the outside, and that's how. We, because then he walks his son away, and his son slaps the shit out of him. Yeah. To say, what have you done? Why did you abandon me like this? I, but all the events leading up to H W returns is really what is made us feel that way like he's already had to beat Eli in front of all his workmen when when uh, he's come begging for his money I that now knowing that he was only two days ready for the for filming 
that scene of just Daniel Day-Lewis just fucking beating the Yes, I can see <laughs> intimidation. I, I can understand that now. Just before we carry on, I just think it's funny. Like the they they shot the film, you know, out out of chronological order for the most yeah, part. Yeah. But there's one sequence that they shot after the other, and the sequence where Eli comes up to Daniel and is like, "Hey, you said we were going to get money for this oil. Where is it?" And mm. of course, he gets the beat down, yeah. and he gets a face full of oil. Yeah, yeah. Um, the 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 the, se- the scenes that they shot the next day. Yeah. Was Daniel Plainview getting baptized? So it was Eli oh, then slapping Daniel around the face. Yes. So they literally filmed those two oh, days back to back. Yes. So they both got to one up each other. I was like, that's, as a that director, was, I was like, that's kind of cool. That was really cool. I mean, because you had the sequence where Eli was beat. You had Eli beating his dad for being so stupid. That was such a powerful sequence. Yeah. I'm like, how, how how do you even deal with this? Because this is what happened. Eli is the powerful figure. The, 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 the women... The, the the mother and the two daughters, you know, at this moment in this time in this era, they wouldn't have said boo to a, a really a ghost. Eli was Eli's sermons, his performances in church, you know, casting the devil out, you know, foaming out. This is what you did for three hours on a Sunday morning. Is sat in a hot church, believing the devil was there. Yeah, you know, he was all in black. It's, well, it's the Daniel fact that the devil was that. there. That, but <laughs> the next shot is of Daniel. Which one of them was the devil, you know, because, like... They're both the devil. Yeah. They both are. I will pass you now. Henry, Daniel Plainview's brother, turns up. This was a really great sequence. Kevin J. O'Connor, I mean, I recognise immediately this guy as Benny from The Mummy. Right, yeah. You know, and Deep Rising. That voice. <laughs> and he's just stood there confronting Daniel. And they just start talking about their who, who he is. Like, Daniel has no idea who this guy is. And this guy, Henry, is explained that he's his brother from another, oh, yeah. another mother. I think it's the same yeah. brother. Yeah, different mother. And, you know, he's always known about Daniel. But they've just never seen each other, really. Yeah. Or Daniel does remember him kind of later on. Because there are, basically there is a brother. But Henry, this Henry is not it. The real brother died of tuberculosis some years ago. And this con artist, who claims to be that person's friend, mm. took all of his diaries and belongings and photos and adopted the identity of the brother so that he could come to this very wealthy oil tycoon and yeah. leech some money. So basically someone who's found a way in to use Daniel Plainview. And of course we know you don't really want to cross this man. No. But for the but for a good chunk of the film, yeah. we watched this this relationship build. Because HW's been sent off to the boarding school, yeah. and now he has a brother, he's looking for a new partner. He's looking to share. Yeah. And this is where we get all of the insights into how Daniel sees everybody and he doesn't see them as humans. He just sees them as he people. Like he has that conversation with Henry at night and he just says about how he just has layered hate for everyone. For just everyone just over the years. And I was Oh man, it you you I, I all I could think was that this man, I like Daniel Day Lewis phenomenal. We we said it before. Daniel Plainview, this man, I understood, could really hate the world that he lived in 
for what he had to do. I mean, this man had to drag himself across rocks to succeed. And, I mean, as a first-time audience, you wouldn't know this, watching him speak to his brother about this feeling. But when he has the realisation that Henry isn't really his brother, that shot of him in the ocean, just staring, you know, the, in the, at the bar, getting, you know, just giving him more money so that Henry will get more and more drunk. The hate, you know, of how dare this person come into my life and try to take this from me, what I have made, all of this. And so you have that moment in the, uh, while they're camping where he wakes Henry up and he's like, who are you? You know, he's got a small pistol there. Who are you? And Henry's caught him out in a little lie and he has to confess and he confesses everything. And Daniel Blainview shoots him in the head. Just, it's like, and, and, and that again is another line crossed, you know, like he could have let him go. He could have been like, yeah, okay. Your, your ruse is up, but he takes it personally. Okay. And of course all that well, hatred that we know is there. Because, well, because this, this, this leads, I, I, I suppose I realize it now that yes, he believed that this guy was his brother. It's not, but now he's also realized that his brother has died. And so when he's killed Henry, thrown him into the pole and just covered him over, you have that moment where he, he cries. He yeah, breaks he's... down, staring at the diary, reading all the information. Because now he is truly alone. Like we, obviously before that point, we never knew about his history. Mm. But now we do know that now he is actually alone. He doesn't oh. have any, you know, fam any family left. He hated his father. I, I Yes, definitely. He yeah. hated his father. Yeah, which is why I think it's interesting when we look at Daniel in terms of the way he does treat children in the film, mm. especially the way he treats H.W. because he does have show that guilt when he leaves him on the train. And he does also kind of intervene with the other family oh, that he takes yeah. over with when we find out that the father is beating the, the little girl. Oh, yeah. He kind of steps in and makes sure that that's not happening anymore. So he does have some, some traits that make you you know sympathetic to him yeah, in a way yeah and appreciate that what he is doing but it's yeah it's it's all accumulated and like i said when uh, before when hw returns yeah we are we are feeling particular particularly bad for daniel but at the same time you know like it's the it, fact that we know where he's coming from. It's yes, because we're in yes, his mindset. Yes, and that's because yes. of the way the film language is is delivering it to us. That we we root for this villain. Yeah. <laughs> and we hate the other villain. <laughs> One of the one sequences I did get a bit confused by was he... While he was with Henry, they tried to... They were either going to sell or... They were looking to sell to another company and they turned it down because the guy insulted him about the way he treats... His family. Yeah, and yeah. he should spend more time with HW. And then it was the confrontation in the restaurant of how um, Daniel was to meeting these guys again. I, I wasn't... I was a bit confused of like, was he in the most prominent position to be able to talk these people down or was he just being a fucking asshole? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Again, he was just, he was just flaunting the fact that he was right or the, I mean, he, he over-exaggerated a misunderstanding early on. Yeah. And it just, again, like we know how hate filled he is. So any little, 
you know, any little thing would just set him off. Yeah. And and we're just seeing the results of that now constantly. It's just a little thing and he just explodes uh, yeah. violently, angrily, uh, you know, and uh, we can see that he's, he's, he, he's, he's like, his narcissistic, self-destructive behavior is just venting all over the place now. Yeah, but it's, it's also so, so well nicely contained in just his little world everybody else can get away like like eli leaves at one point you know um daniel has made his pipeline through the bandy farm at great cost for himself i mean he had to get had to be slapped the fuck up by eli and then eli decides to go off and travel and so now that daniel is prominent enough we do time skip to um hw and uh, Mary, the young girl grown up now, marrying and being together. I was, I suppose I wasn't really surprised he didn't attend the wedding. I didn't see him there. No. And that, that didn't really surprise me. I'm, I, I was pretty sure that, you know, from that moment on, you know, HW was over there. They'd always had a kind of distant father-son relationship, but then again, he wasn't his son. And HW comes to speak to Daniel, who's got this massive house now. You know, he's just kind of sat there chilling around, shooting things in his house like any rich man does. Well, it's it's the fact that we can see how psychologically warped he is now. Where oh, yeah. He's even got his own shooting range in the corridor in his house. It's like, why is it not outside, Daniel? Cause he's, it's because he's gone completely crazy now. He's he, gone. He can do whatever he wants. He probably spends most of his days the, drunk. It's the fact that he not... hates people. So I guess anything that involves him having to go and see people, removed from his life now. <laughs> I can kind of understand him from a certain perspective, but then again, I mean, the guy's a massive oil tycoon. He is, he's a made man from where we came, dragging ourselves across rocks. But we have this sit down with HW and it's such a brilliant sequence, but then it makes you feel so uncomfortable where HW has to sign. And the, the interpreter will obviously interpret it for Daniel and then do it back. And H.W. explains about how he wants to leave and start up his own company. You know, he's learned so much from Daniel Plainview over the years. He really loves him. He still wants to see him as a father, but he has to become his own man. And, you know, it's really emotional, but I totally get it because of the context of the movie, where we are, the time that we are setting, the man and the people, this life that we have followed. You know, H.W. wants to be the next Daniel Plainview. He wants his own company. And Daniel Day-Lewis at this point, like we thought he was bad in the film. He's fucking gone at this point. <laughs> and when he starts making fun of the sign language interpreter and he starts like telling the, you know, HW to, I want to hear you speak. I don't want to hear him telling me. Yep. You've got something to say to me, then say it. I'd like to hear you speak instead of your little dog. Woof, 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 woof. Yeah, it's 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 really really powerful stuff, and uh, and it's the way he's explaining like you won't be my son, you will be my competitor. Yeah, you know you will be my enemy. Yeah, and that is how things will be. Like you will be cut off. Like and you are not my son. And he starts to tell him, "You are a bastard in a basket. You are not my child." Yeah, and uh, and, and you know, but the thing is, it's like H W has already walked off, and we know he's deaf. 
So he's not even going to hear any of this yelling. Yes. Yeah, no, maybe even, yeah. maybe like psychologically he knows it. Daniel's yelling at him. Maybe in the vibrations he can pick it up. But the yelling is not for HW. It's for Daniel himself saying it to himself. Did HW always know? I don't think so, no. I, d- I don't I, think he would have done. I d- well, I mean, because he doesn't, he, like, he doesn't seem that upset by... Being I, I told think that I think not I, the father. I think he might have deep down known, but never, you know, no documents, no valid yeah, proof. Yeah, yeah, no, no. But he might no have just known. Proof. He'd never know who his real father was. But it's the way HW says to him, "I'm so glad I don't have some of you in me." And yes. he's able just to walk away. I, Powerful. That was really yeah, and it, it just like I said, I really want to just go, yeah, fuck you, Daniel. But at the same time, I'm like, man, I knew it was coming. I did the way you were, the way you treat people, the, the way you've done this. And he, you, you have that great sequence where the butler comes down and wakes Daniel up, who's just passed out on the floor. Yeah, been there a few times, you know, we'd seen it a few times through the movie. It was really cool. He just kind of, you know, wakes Daniel up and he's, he's just eating steak off a plate. Well, all he does is in eat his private steak bowling and drink alley. vodka. It's fucking brilliant. And Eli turns up to speak to Daniel because, well, now they're family. K- kind of. <laughs> <laughs> They've known each other long enough. <laughs> and yeah, and they, they literally, like, I mean, it's the final scene of the film. And it's, again, it's a long scene where the two of them are just, you know, they, they, they are equals it's in, in many ways in terms of the way that they've come to power. Mm. You know, they're both, they both got exactly what they want. But the thing is, they also have what each other wants, you know, because Daniel Plainview, he's, he's got everything he wants, but he still could not beat religion. He couldn't beat the church. The church (laughs) beat him in the end. And, you know, and, and and then you have, (laughs) and then you have Eli, who's just like, you know, I've got the church and I've got the followers, but I don't have the wealth and I don't have the money. I don't have the power that you do. You, You get this. Eli has sinned like fuck at yes. this point he has gone out into the world and he has i am a false prophet he has <laughs> fornicated he has done whatever and you you see the breakdown in, in paul dano of just you know how oh my god like like he's he's lost funds or whatever i don't i don't know really how bad it is but it's bad enough that he's willing on screaming i am a false prophet God is, you know, was it, uh, God is not real. Yeah. You know, as as, loud, as loud as he can, at the willing of this man, because, you know, he wants the money. He needs money. He's in trouble. And Daniel's just like, no, fuck you and fuck everybody else. You know? Chases him around <laughs> his in- interior bowling alley and uh, ends up grabbing a pin and beating Eli contemplating what he's just done and contemplating what he's about to do before letting his inner rage, his primordial instincts take over and just unleash, you know, acting like, uh, like, like, like he's won. Like he's now beat religion. He is the winner. But that final line. Yes. Well, it's the fact that he now, like he thinks he is at the top, but us watching, no, like there is nowhere lower for this character to go. You know, this man has everything and he has nothing at all. And when Butler comes in and he turns and says, I'm finished. I'm finished. 
Yes, Daniel, you are. You really, really are. It's almost like a punchline. It's it, almost it, like it, it is. It is, it is isn't it? It's it's it is. So, there were moments in the film I was crying with laughter. I'm like, this is not supposed to be funny. Am I supposed to find this funny? And this final line, I'm finished. And then it just ends. Even when the music kicks in, it's a yeah. bit kind of chirpy. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, that's, that's there will be blood. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, what were your favourite almost memorable I, scenes from the film? Every, everything just was um, just so gorgeous to look at. Like, so well. It was... It was, it was like watching a spaghetti western, those old spaghetti westerns that they did where they, you know, they really tried to capture the authenticity, you know, but this is now 2007 and, you know, they've got a lot more stuff they can work with, you know, at this, at this kind of level and everything was just, I played a lot of Red Dead Redemption. You know, and when I saw some of these shots, I was like, oh man, I could go just get a horse, you know, just ride out, just how beautiful it was. Like, the drive into town was just such a fabulous shot. You know, you really spend your time trying to look for like a drain pipe or a stopwatch. You know, something that's not 1911. And if you're really, if a director's really, really good, you won't find anything. And so you're just completely sucked in and just watching that little drive in. And then them walking up to the farm. We're hunting quail. Even the hunting quail sequence. Just, ah. Uh, the sequence with Paul Dano beating his dad, you know, that was just, that was emotional because I really felt for the dad. Like, whatever the dad did, I, I, I don't know. But, you know, he, he, was he stupid? Did he not know? Was he inexperienced? It's a new age. It's a new time. He's willing on just giving it up. The sequence at the table, like you said, with Mary, when he just kind of says to Mary, like, don't worry, you're not going to be beaten by your father anymore. And he just looks over at the dad. And they don't say anything, but you know that the dad is just kind of been told, don't, I'll kill you. You know, the, the whole sequences with, with Henry, you know, their discussions, especially that one where he's layered on the hate, you know, just, yeah. Gary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there really are so many great memorable sequences. I think the first one is, uh, it was just because it caught me off guard. It was the uh, the first accident at the mine mm. uh, when, when it when it drops down and we'd see that blood spray. I was just like, oh, I wasn't quite expecting that, honestly. So it just stuck in my in, in my mind. Uh, but I think my, my, my favorite scene in the whole film is the first 20 minutes. I think it's really, really powerful stuff. The fact that there is no dialogue, that it is on the strength of, of Daniel Day-Lewis's performance. Mm. Um, and even though we don't really get to see we don't get to see too much of him because he's in overalls, he's in the dark, but it really sets this character up. We really get to spend the 20 minutes with him that, that, that informs us of who this person is for the rest of the film. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I also think that it was the, the music by Johnny Greenwood was absolutely excellent. Like his score with Daniel Day-Lewis matched with the cinematography was excellent. Um, and, you know, like it's the composer from Radiohead who oh, did the music for this, nice. and it's just like there is long sequences of of like music that builds. Like there is a sequence of ten minutes of music during the oil when it when the oil eruption. Yeah, you know, and the music. I mean, it, it's just it, it builds and it builds and it builds, and it's like ten minutes of this audio building for this massive crescendo, and it's just music matching film perfectly here, like absolutely just gels everything together and everything comes together really really well here and so the first 20 minutes is just sets you up for everything that that, that follows 
Another favorite scene is, uh, can everything around here be got? Can that be got? Can that be got? Just looking at the map and just building and planning his empire. Uh, really, again, another moment that helps inform you of who this guy is. Get out of here, ghost! The church scene, just watching... Paul Dano go absolutely nuts delivering these sermons and the way he's his mannerisms. He's yeah. so enthusiastically over the top. Out! Damn spot! <laughs> it's great. It's great. The milkshake speech. Absolutely. You know, like... It, 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 I mean, it, apparently it comes from a real piece of history as well. Okay. Um, apparently there was the teapot dome scandal in the 1920s. Okay. Where in a courtroom, somebody had to break down what it actually was. And they used the straw analogy. Oh, um, yes. And so seeing it in the film, I'm like, I mean, the character of Daniel Plainview has been b- drawn from historical characters, fictional characters, real people, uh, and it is such an amalgamation of all these things that actually borrowing something from one of those inspired characters and using it, yeah. it works really well. And it, and it really, you really believe it in the way Daniel Plainview delivers it, like the, the way he exaggerates the straw at your know, movement. It's like, yeah, that, that was a really, really great scene as well. Um, and then, of course, ditching his son on the train. Oh. Like, just, it was so, like, because he had the moment where he sat with his son. Because we'd seen him in the train with the, when he first adopts the boy. Yeah. We see the bond building, and then, of course, the accident, and then him leaving his son. Yeah, that was that was hard to watch. Uh, yeah. Really, really, especially because Daniel Day-Lewis has that break where, you, where he shows, a, I guess, weakness in his character. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, some memorable, memorable scenes. Some very powerful uh, performances by everybody in here. Uh, many, many memorable scenes. Ian? Yeah, like... What's more to say, really? I Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis? Daniel Day-Lewis on top form again. You know, given the right material, given the right director, just everybody just given the right amount of... You know, acting pressure. This is, for me, this is one of those films that you say, right, I watch cinema for this. You know, I can watch everything. I can see any type of movie. But every now and again, you get a movie that is just so good that I understand, I totally understand if people don't want to watch it, if they are not interested in it. But it's why we have cinema, you know. People go, oh, I'm going, to watch, I'm going to watch the next Transformers movie and switch my brain off. This is the type of movie you can't because there are so many layers. There are so much detail. There's so many different little things that you have to pick up that by the end of it, it's an emotional whirlwind ride. And I've said it a million times. It's fucking Daniel Day-Lewis. Every time I see that name, I'm like, am I ready for an emotional whirlwind ride? <laughs> you got to be. You got to prepare yourself. You need to know because <laughs> this film is a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece of cinema, a, a truly remarkable experience that deserves to be seen multiple times. Not because you have to, but because you will want to. The whole film is a compulsive experience. You'll not want it to end. You become so invested in the characters, the world, and it haunts and stays with you. Now, of course, Daniel Day-Lewis gives a brilliant career-defining performance, bringing to life a character so well, the Daniel Plainview, so rich and nuanced, you'll be transfixed on his journey from nothing to having everything and nothing at once. Like I said, the self-destructive, narcissistic, ambitious, villainous character is supported by a fantastic range of character actors 
a magnificent and unique score by Johnny Greenwood. Everything just elevated everything else in every way. Watch this for the love of cinema, of great works of art. It is, in my opinion, one of the greatest movies. It's really unrelenting, incredibly well-executed, and thoroughly entertaining. There will be greed, there will be vengeance, and there will be blood. Thanks for watching Off The Shelf Reviews. I'm finished.